first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. And welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 75. Wow. We are three quarters of the way through our first century on the show. Already time to start planning for episode 100, right? What is that? 25 weeks from now, which takes us to, let's see, uh, many months. You know, what, five, six months, six months from now? So, uh, we don't want to fast forward until then because it'll be winter and crappy and I'm sure COVID will be surging again and we'll all be under lockdown orders. So, uh, let's enjoy the time that we have now, but episode 75, it's quite an accomplishment and I do truly love doing this show. Uh, gotten to speak to a lot of great people over the duration of 75 episodes. We are guestless again this week. We'll have a guest return next week. I will make that my mission. I promise. We've had a lot of Olympics coverage without sports another full-time job in balancing as well. So we've had a, a few shows here uh, without a guest, but you know, I, I used to do four hours of radio solo, so I can probably handle 20 minutes solo as well on a podcast. And luckily we have a lot to talk about. And once again, this is Olympics centric, uh, centric uh, the show this week. Um, the coverage on Outsports for the last week plus has been Olympics-centric as well. It is one of our premier, if not, it is our premier, the premier uh, event that we cover every couple of years. And that's because the Olympics are by far the most gay-friendly sporting event out there. I was having dinner with a friend of mine the other night who is not a sports fan at all. And he was remarking to me how the Olympics are the one thing he's interested in. And it's because he said he thinks they're the most gay friendly. Why is that? I have some reasons, which we'll talk about a bit later on. But first, seems like our weekly update on the COVID situation in Tokyo. Not a lot of good news. On Friday, the organizing committee reported four new infections among Olympics-related personnel. That brings the total number of confirmed cases to 30 this month. Uh, One of the cases is of a Nigerian official who tested positive upon arrival and was hospitalized. That is the fifth case detected among delegations from overseas. Also this week, we had 21 South African rugby players placed into isolation after being identified as close contacts of an infected person on their flight. We also had infected staff members at a hotel where Brazilian athletes are staying and we had uh, sending them into isolation. Tokyo recorded... 1,271 new infections on Friday, continuing its biggest surge in six months. Why is that? Well, only 20% of Japan's 126 million people are fully vaccinated as of 
this recording. So those numbers do not sound great, but per usual with COVID over the last 18 months, however the hell long this has gone on, it is important to separate the reality from some of the hysteria, which is deserved in many cases, right? I mean, this was this is a pandemic. It is still going on for almost every area of the world. Uh, I mean, the fact that the United States and other Western countries, but really the U.S., since we are just swimming in vaccines, the fact that we have not done a better job of more quickly getting out vaccines to other countries is reprehensible and going to hurt us if it hasn't already. Because where did this super contagious Delta variant first start? It started overseas, and it right India. It was the, the primary variant responsible for its big surge a couple months ago, and it's now made its way to the states, where it makes up, according to the CDC, over fifty percent of our cases right now. So you know, if you just keep letting the virus fester, even in faraway areas of the world, I mean, that's how COVID started, right? In early twenty twenty in China, and then it made its way to the U.S. in no time. So uh, even with travel still shut down in portions of the world, uh, you're just going to see these variants continue to circulate and come back to our shores. But anyway, the Olympics and COVID, what is the reality from some of the hysteria? Well, it is important to keep in mind that infections have occurred among such a small percentage of the tens of thousands of people involved in the games, right? You hear that we have 30 uh, confirmed cases this month among Olympics-related personnel. There are tens of thousands of people involved in putting the Tokyo Games on. So that is a minuscule percentage. Um, We also learned this week that 85% of residents of the Olympic Village would be vaccinated against COVID-19, and that almost all IOC members and staff will arrive in Japan fully immunized. Uh, So there have been some breakthrough cases. I lived through that last week in Provincetown. I think I talked about that briefly on the show. Um, But if you're inoculated, you're vaccinated, it's better than not being vaccinated, obviously. Your your protection is, is much, much, much greater. Your protection from hospitalization and serious illness is just about foolproof. Um, So that's a big deal that 85% of residents of the Olympic Village will be vaccinated against COVID-19. And also, we've talked about it, you've read about it, there will be no, if any, there will be maybe a few fans at a few events, but largely no fans at this year's Olympics. Uh, Olympians are going to even put the medals on themselves. We won't have a big crowd at the opening ceremony. There are strict restrictions on socialization among the athletes and media people and those involved with the games as well. So basically, there's one big Olympic Village bubble. So you're not going to have a lot of movement or interaction at all between the general population and those associated with the Olympics. And those who are associated with the Olympics, again, 85%, I keep going back to that number, are vaccinated against COVID-19. So you don't want to flippantly dismiss COVID. It's obviously a pandemic. It's raging in Japan. It's their biggest surge in six months, as I mentioned. But the risk of it, the Olympics being some sort of super spreader event, I, I just think are are, minis- are, are are non-existent. It's not going to be. I mean, it can't be with that amount of people affiliated with it vaccinated. It, it just can't be, especially given they're going to stay in a bubble. So... 
That's my take on that. But it is important to mention that COVID is not going away. I mean, we had Bradley Beal, basketball player for the Wizards, going to represent Team USA, one of the NBA's leading scorers. Well, he was placed in COVID protocols this week and rolled out for the Olympics in baseball. We had three fully vaccinated Yankees players test positive for COVID on Thursday, uh, thus canceling their game against the Red Sox, right? Talk about a flashback to 2020. Yep, still have a game being canceled due to COVID. Um, so it's, it's, it's not going away. The vaccines ensure that the sickness is much less severe, of course. I mean, I caught the gay cold after my 4th of July rendezvous to P-Town, and I was pretty sick for a day or two, but quickly bounced back. And I bet you if I was not vaccinated, maybe I would have contracted COVID and it would have been a lot worse than it was. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. But just overall, I mean, you look at the fact that we had just such an incredible scientific achievement and medical achievement with the development of these vaccines in less than a year from when the first COVID case was identified in the U.S., And the fact that we have so many people in this country who are still refusing to be vaccinated is inexplicable, it is absurd, and worst of all, it's putting all of us in danger. Because I talked about how the virus circulates in unvaccinated parts of the world. Well, some of that part, some of those parts of the world are communities right here in the United States where the virus continues to circulate. The strands continue to seemingly get more severe, and we can't stamp this out because of people who are choosing to not be vaccinated. It just, it's, it's, it's dangerous, it's selfish, it's, uh, throughout this entire pandemic, I have tried to refrain from talking about personal behavior a lot, because I think that This pandemic was just a massive failure on behalf of our government, on behalf of our leaders. Uh, We had no plan, and uh, COVID shaming is just not the way, was not the way out of this at all. It only added more unneeded angst and anger. But I do feel comfortable shaming and scolding the people who are choosing to not get vaccinated and have no health reasons to not get vaccinated either. I mean... What are you doing? Again, not only are you putting yourself in danger, that's fine. You can do that. I don't care. But I do care when we can't stamp it out and it continues to circulate and thus puts all of us in more danger too. I mean, if we have to go back to wearing masks inside because of these people, I will be so pissed off. It won't even be funny. So so that's my thoughts on that. But the main topic that I wanted to get into on this week's show is the changing, my changing tune around the Olympics. And I'll let you in a little secret. Previously, I have not paid all that much attention to the Olympic Games outside of cheering on the delicious Adam Rippon a few years ago. But I really haven't. I, 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 I don't like the IOC. I think it's billions of dollars in waste. I was a, I mean, I was like 21 years old at the time, but The platforms that I did have, I used them to rail against the Olympics coming to Boston in 2024 when we had a big movement here for that to happen. And I still think that would have been a disastrous logistical decision for the city and a logistical nightmare for the city if we did have the Olympics coming in uh, three years. But 
Overall, my attitude on the games, I would say, has changed. And that's for a number of reasons, largely due to working now at OutSports. I mean, we have our list. It went live Monday, and we've updated it pretty much every day. We now have at least 142 publicly out LGBTQ competitors in this year's games. That is unbelievable. And that's the number one reason why I am invested in this year's games, besides the fact that I will be paid to cover them. Uh, these athletes, 142 publicly out competitors, they all have incredible stories to share. Their stories are very powerful to share on the international stage. And the best part is, at least to me, is these are just regular people who are being given the opportunity of a lifetime. Pretty much all of these events outside of basketball, soccer, a few other team sports. I mean, they're just played or by regular people. I mean, regular people do them. Swimming, diving, track and field, uh, sailing, golf. I mean, go on down the line. These are people who are not multimillionaires. They're not getting rich off of their athleticism. This is something that they just do and they work so hard. They work for years to do this and now they get to shine for a couple weeks. That's pretty damn cool. And the other reason why I've changed my tune on the Olympics is coming to that realization that these are, this is the most gay-friendly sporting event out there. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first of which are, of course, the swimmers and the divers <laughs> and, and the rowers as well. But outside of that, why are the Olympics the most gay-friendly sporting event? Well, I think a lot of it is... Uh, those backstories that the athletes have. It is very human interest based. We like that. Uh, These sports, no one really pays attention to during their off years. So you don't have to be following it religiously to be into the track and field, for example, at the Olympics. And again, it's about the people. We're into people. There's a lot of pageantry with the Olympics as well. There will obviously be considerably less of that this year with the COVID restrictions in place, but there's a lot of pomp and circumstances. There are a lot of outfits. There's a lot of, there's a show around the Olympics. It really is a show. Yes, the games and competitions are going on, but it's a show. And the athletes are the main parts of that show with all of their great backstories. And then you have a million things pronging off of that. And I do think like the biggest reason why the Olympics are considered the most gay-friendly sporting event and why our traffic skyrockets on OutSports every Olympic year is because there is not that preconceived super-mask culture around the Olympic Games that you see around the major pro sports, male pro sports, uh, in the U.S. There are a number of reasons for that. These are not major team sports, largely, number one. Number two, it's such a diverse array of competitors. Number three, there's that international flavor. So there's so many different cultures involved. And as a result, it's just not as intimidating to the gay person who is not a sports fan and is just still turned off by the masculine culture that we see around the NFL, NBA, MLB, etc. We don't have that at all with the Olympic Games, and I think that's why they are the most gay-friendly sporting event out there. And the opening ceremonies happen next week. We will be covering that on OutSports. We'll be talking about it uh, 
as they go on here in the Sports Kiki Podcast. As I say every week, if you have any guest ideas, show ideas, please hit me up on Twitter. My username is at AlexReamer1. That again is at AlexReamer1. So long, everybody. I'm off to camping this weekend, something that I do once a year with a bunch of friends. I know, not all heroes wear capes. Will I survive in just a coin-operated shower? We'll have to stay tuned to find out. But so long, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next on the podcast next Saturday.